Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Everybody, welcome to uh, Howard David Live. We're taking a bite of the Big Apple up first with the uh, Game Five coming up tonight in um, in Brooklyn, where the Brooklyn Nets will be hosting the Milwaukee Bucks in a in a must win really uh, for the Nets and where they are. And it's not going to be easy because of uh, the injuries to this team, particularly to two of their better players, Kyrie Irving and James Harden. Uh, Milwaukee is a four point favorite, which is kind of odd. Uh, the four-point favorite to win tonight in Brooklyn. This is no surprise, really, with Irving and Harden out of the lineup. But that opens up the door for guys like Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, Bruce Brown, Mike James, uh, Landry Shampert, guys like that, Nick Claxton. Uh, they're going to have to step up, and they're going to have to play big parts in the game um, because <laughs> without those guys, uh, they're in a lot, a lot of trouble. And it's as, it's as simple as that. We're trying to get a hold of Greg Logan from New York Newsday. Hopefully he gets to his phone and we'll be able to talk to him about this game. Hmm. A little bit of a problem with Greg. He must have, obviously, some kind of a conflict. All has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. Five, one, six, five. We don't want to give away... Um, his phone number because that wouldn't be cool but hopefully he'll he'll come and join us very short, shortly uh kevin durant well we know what kevin durant is kevin durant is all about leading and he's all about being the leading scorer in the game all about he's a top assist man he's the top rebounder he's a man uh you know he's a swiss army knife he does everything and he does it very well uh he is probably playing uh, the best basketball of anybody uh, in the nba playoffs going on right now but that aside um, how much can he do? He's averaging 30 points a game. He's averaging nine rebounds a game. He's averaging five assists a game. Somebody else is going to have to step up, and it can't just be Kevin Durant because it doesn't work like that. Um, I mean, the Bucks have uh, momentum right now with wins in games three and four in Milwaukee. Uh, after the way games one and two took place, it kind of surprised people quite a bit that uh, they would bounce back like that because they were so well-dominated, particularly in Game 2. Uh, but, look, Giannis is a problem, and there's no question about it. He's a problem for the Nets defensively. So what do you do if you're the Nets? You say to yourself, we got to keep him outside because inside he will be disruptive. He will get to the basket. He will get to the foul line. Uh, which is a good, good and bad news, I think, at the same time, because Giannis has not shot free throws very well. As a matter of fact, he's been very poor uh, from the free throw line, which is which is hard to believe. He's 11 of 29. I mean, that's 54%. That's that's not what Giannis is. Uh, the uh, the Nets have shot 83% from the line. The Bucks have shot 60, primarily because 
of what Giannis Antetokounmpo has done or not done. So what does this put people like Chris Middleton? He's not only the, the Robin to Batman, he's a good number two guy. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows he can score, and he can shoot the ball from long range. Um, having said that, you look at, at guys like Drew Holiday and what can he do, and you say to yourself, you hope that Drew Holiday can you know perform the way he has performed. But that aside, we're still trying to get a hold of Greg Logan of New York Newsday. Not having a lot of success. Well, we'll keep trying and hope that uh, we can get through to him because he can add a lot uh, to the broadcast. As it relates to games that we saw yesterday in the NBA, uh, two other series now, even at two games apiece. Atlanta with uh, a tremendous victory last night uh, in uh, Atlanta after trailing by as many as 18 points in the game. Um, they wound up coming from behind and beating the 76ers 103-100. to A couple of things about that game. Joel Embiid, you know, he had 21 points or whatever he had, but he went 0-12 for 12 in the second half. And now he's saying that uh, his knee was bothering him a little bit, where supposedly he's got a torn meniscus in his knee, I mean, I had a torn meniscus, and I'm still trying to figure out how a guy can play on one leg. Uh, he, he doesn't look like he's limping. He doesn't look like he's inconvenienced necessarily. But he's still Joel Embiid. Uh, Tobias Harris had a strong game last night, but they didn't get a lot from Ben Simmons. And interesting to note, on the last possession of the game that Philadelphia had the ball, Ben Simmons was on the bench. Because clearly what the Hawks were going to do was foul Ben Simmons because he's been atrocious at the free throw line and they didn't want him. Uh, uh, you, you say to yourself, well, if he, if he missed, if he didn't play him uh, at, if he didn't play him at the latter stages of the game, you figure, wow, that's Hello. amazing. Hey, it's Greg Logan of New York Newsday. Hey, Greg. Hi, Howard. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm just before I get into the conversation about Milwaukee and the Nets, I was talking about the uh, Philadelphia Atlanta game last night, particularly at the end of the game, after Atlanta had overcome an 18 point deficit uh, and actually had the lead by three on the last possession. Philadelphia had the ball, and curious to note that Ben Simmons was on the bench. Uh, because the strategy would have been for Atlanta is to foul Ben Simmons because he's been so poor at the foul line. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and uh, I was a little bit amazed by it because at the other end, Ben Simmons does amazing things for the 76ers. They needed to score. I'm not sure about that strategy. I mean, maybe they could have fouled him. What if he hits 50% of his free throws? I don't know. Uh, but Ben Simmons on the floor, one of the top two or three defensive players in the league, or, or off the floor, one of the top two or three defensive players in the league, he, he should have still been on the floor. That that was crazy. Uh, let's get to Milwaukee and, uh, and the Nets tonight. Uh, Milwaukee is a four-point favorite in Brooklyn. I'm not surprised, obviously, with James Harden and Kyrie Irving not playing, uh, but does that really matter? Well... I mean the point spread. Whatever the odds makers say doesn't matter. Uh but, you know, definitely 
missing two of your star players and your entire starting backcourt, that definitely matters. Sure, so sure. The Nets will be starting, I'm guessing, they're going to start Mike James and Bruce Brown tonight. And, you know, James is a serviceable NBA player. He was very good in the European leagues, in CSKA Moscow, and so on. But this is the NBA. And his decision-making, you know, he has his good moments and he has his bad moments. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. Bruce Brown is a total professional uh very good player he's a unique player because at his height he's running pick and roll and rolling down the middle and and scoring on floaters you know but it's not it's not a a perfect uh system with him so you know to be deprived of the shooting talents and the creative talents of Kyrie Irving and James Harding is critical and so we know Kevin Durant can rise to the occasion, but uh, he needs help. And he didn't get it in the last game. The Nets' second leading scorer was Kyrie Irving with 11 points in 17 minutes. Nobody else hit double figures in game four other than hard or, or other than Durant, you know, who played the full game. And uh, <clears throat> so Joe Harris has been off his mark the past two games there's no question he needs to step up have a 20-point game hit five or six three-pointers you know the the nets absolutely have to have big time production from joe harris and then some of the other role players including blake griffin i mean he used to be a six-time all-star he's got to step up landry shamet he's got to step up so all these guys have got to step up and produce and give some support to Kevin Durant because he can't do it by himself. He can't go one-on-five against the Bucs. Uh, you mentioned Joe Harris. He's 4 for 19 in games 3 and 4 from the three-point line. That's just not going to cut it. And in watching those games, I mean, he had many open looks that normally he knocks down if you look at his record over the year. But what you're saying is accurate, obviously. Kevin Durant... Let's just say he gives him 35. Well, you're still going to need at least 65 other points from somewhere because, I mean, you got to figure you got to get at least 100 to 105 points to even be in this game. No doubt, you know, and, and that's the problem. And that's why Harris has to really step up. You, you cited those uh, shooting statistics. They are ridiculously low for the top three-point shooter in the NBA for two of the past three years. So, you know, there's a there's a big load on Joe Harris tonight. And, you know, he's used to honestly playing a, a, a supporting role. So we're going to find out if he can play a lead role. Uh, he's going to have to do tonight and uh, uh, and maintain that kind of three point shooting that he had for, you know, not only two of the last three years, but really his whole career. So he has to step to the plate. Number one, Blake Griffin, you know, I know he's, he's, he understands he has to grab every offensive opportunity that he has 
and and they just have to support Kevin Durant to the max. And the Nets can't just totally run their offense through Durant the way they did in the second half of game four. You know, he was bringing the ball up the court. He was initiating, and everybody was just waiting to see if he was going to go one-on-one and shoot or if he was going to pass. And that that was way too predictable, and they've got to do a better job offensively tonight, moving the ball and giving everybody a chance to participate in the offense. Greg Logan of New York Newsdays was taking a bite of the Big Apple before Milwaukee and Brooklyn. Uh, and so now you look at the approach by each of these teams. Milwaukee's got the momentum right now. They're feeling pretty good about themselves, and they should be. I mean, the the, uh, the opponent's missing two key pieces. So, A, Milwaukee comes in w- with uh, this confidence and takes jumps on the Nets early, or the Nets look at this as a challenge and say, okay, everybody else has got to pick up the slack from Irving and, and, and uh, Harden. But to be honest, Greg, that's easier said than done. I mean, you, you tell me one of these other guys, these support players, has the ability to put up 25 points. I, I just don't know it's there. Well, that might be true. But, you know, here, the, I think the big thing is for the Nets to pick up the physical challenge because in those two games in Milwaukee, the Bucks totally stepped it up physically. You know, the Nets averaged 120 points in the two wins in Brooklyn right. and 89.5 points in the two losses in Milwaukee. Frankly, they should have won game three. They were one basket away from winning game three. And to lose that one is that might haunt them during the off season if they don't make it to the finals. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, but they're going to have to step it up physically and match what uh, PJ Tucker kid did to uh, Kevin Durant, especially in games three and four PJ Tucker has been mauling him. And, uh, and quite frankly, uh, Durant did not get any, uh, <coughs> any benefit of the doubt from the referees especially in game four he hit the deck i don't know six seven times when he was shooting and got one call maybe and uh and pj tucker has has been in his shorts and chris middleton said yesterday that what tucker is doing has been contagious to the rest of the bucks and kind of fueling their physical defense. So the Nets have got to counteract that uh, in game five tonight and and get back on track offensively, even without Harden and and Irving. You know, they can't just score 90 points a game. That There's no way. They, you, as you said, a hundred is the minimum, and really they need to get to a hundred and ten. Uh, they're playing good defense, but they need to get to a hundred and ten points, and uh, and so they're going to have to step it up th- that way. But but it's the tough defense that will generate the good offense and the transition opportunities and the looks from the open court. Greg, you look at the differential, and you know sometimes numbers tell you what you want to know. Sometimes they don't, but three-point shooting in the series so far, Nets shooting 37%, Bucks 
uh, free throw shooting. Nets 83%. The Bucks 60. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Giannis is 11 of 29, 54% from the foul line. So that brings me to the point. If you're the Nets, the strategy would be one of two things. Giannis is not a good three-point shooter. So if you can, keep him out on the perimeter and try to deny his entry into the painted area where he flourishes. Uh, if you foul him, okay, you foul him. He's not been successful at the foul line. But what, what I'm looking at is the, is the um, support parts, Middleton and Drew Holiday. Uh, yes. but, I mean, particularly Middleton is an excellent three-point shooter. And if, if he gets open looks, he's going to kill you. Well, you know, they did a tremendous job on Middleton in the first two games, and, and they're f- very physical with him. Uh, Bruce Brown had a lot to do with that. Uh, also, Joe Harris, who is he's not considered a great defender, but he's a, he's a physical guy. He's, you know, Steve Nash calls him a, a tight end, you know, so he can body up on Middleton. So those two have to uh, do a good job of Middleton. And honestly, they have to double team him uh, because he is a difference maker. So the Nets, they can put Blake Griffin against Antetokounmpo. And, uh, and Griffin has done a good job of keeping him, you know, as far away from the basket as possible, daring him to shoot from the three-point line. That has to continue, and they will they will continue to double Giannis also. But honestly, uh, I think that the Nets have to have to double team Middleton and try to cut down his scoring opportunities. And you take your chances with Holiday one on one, and see how that works out. But Middleton, as, as you said, he's he's a good three point shooter, so they have to run out to him no doubt about it and uh and it's the whole premise of the defense has to be to control the bucks role players uh behind Giannis. and i mean Giannis is going to get his you just accept that you play him as tough as you can you make it difficult but then you have to control the other guys there's there's no doubt about it and then you have to hope that if they miss enough, then you get in transition, and that fuels your offense. Well, the Bucks' strategy may be, okay, let Kevin Durant get his. We'll shut everybody else down, uh, which is not a bad strategy either. But, you know, looking down the checklist of things that are important to the Nets, uh, they turned it over too many times in Game 4. 17 turnovers. That's just not going to cut it. You've got to take care of the basketball. Well, that's true. There, there's no question. You, you can't give up possessions, especially in this situation when you don't have uh, as many offensive players as you're used to having to make up for that and to convert uh, at the other end. So, yeah, they're going to have to play a very precise game tonight. Game five has to be precision perfect. Uh, you know, but I think here, here here's the interesting thing. Let's say the Nets win Game Five. If that happens, and all they have to do is win one of the remaining two games, then I think they're in a good position because I don't think either Harden or Irving will be ready for Game Six in Milwaukee. 
But if they win game five, they can almost write that one off and make it a one-game season on uh, Saturday night in Brooklyn. And so we'll see how that goes. But, you know, without a doubt, tonight is it. Tonight is the game, and they know they don't have either Harden or Irving. So tonight is the night the Nets have to make it happen. If they don't win tonight, it's over in six, and and it's going to be very humiliating, actually, to lose four straight if that's what happens. Let me ask you about, uh, and I know the Nets have been very guarded about the condition of Harden and Irving, but who's more likely to come back first, Harden or Irving? Harden, because, you know, he has, they've called it right hamstring tightness. They're not calling it a strain. They have insisted on just calling it tightness. At the same time, he has to go through repeated uh what they call high intensity workouts in order to prove that he's ready to come back. So for instance, uh, uh, before game four, he did not practice. He went through a high intensity workout and was ruled out of game four. Well, actually, no, that was after game, yesterday. He went through a high intensity workout, did not practice and was ruled out of game five. So how many of these does he have to go through? He'll probably go through another one today. Uh, And then he might go through another one tomorrow. So if he were to get through today's workout and tomorrow's workout, it's conceivable he could come back for game six. But I really don't think they want to. In other words, if they win game five, then I think they'll save him for game seven. If they lose game five and he wants to play, maybe he does play game six. Uh, That's it. But Irving, you know, when I looked at him and he was grabbed, he didn't just grab his ankle. He grabbed above his ankle, which leads me to believe it might high ankle sprain. And and you know, those injuries are, are very difficult to come back from in short order. Uh, so I don't know where Irving is at, but I think he's I think he's in a bad way. He left in a uh, a foot cast uh, out of Milwaukee the other night. So uh, I just I seriously it, 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 maybe he could make it for game seven. I don't know. but I think Harden is by far closer than. Irving, you know, on the other hand, if Harden comes back, uh, you know, he's risking a lot because you don't want to have a serious hamstring injury that then affects next season. So they kind of have to play the long game here. Yeah. And then let's look at Durant. Look, Durant's injury history is duly noted. So you get him to play. 38, 39, 40 minutes tonight, which he's likely to play. Oh, uh, he's going to play 40 yeah. minimum. Yeah, so that, that, that it's based on his history, I mean, he's probably one step away from re-injuring his Achilles, uh, which you don't need either. So, I mean, you know, uh, Steve Nash is caught between a rock and a hard place. He needs Durant on the floor. Uh, but he, ha- he really has to be careful uh, about budgeting his minutes. Well, 
Yeah, but, you know, I, I think they're pretty confident in uh, Durant's condition. Durant has played off the charts, and he's kind of... Nash said... Nash knew him in Golden State because Nash was a consultant uh, with the Golden State Warriors before he joined the Nets. And he says Durant looks just as good as he was at Golden State. So I think they're... You know, Durant did have some injuries this year, but I think they're pretty confident in where he's at. So I, you know, he, he played 44 minutes in one game recently. So I, I think they're, they're, they're confident that he can carry the load. They don't want to overburden him. They don't want to run too much offense through him, but they definitely want the ball in his hands as much as possible. So I see Durant playing minimum 40 minutes tonight. Yeah. yeah. And, and them running the offense through him as much as possible. But, you know, ball movement is a key because it just can't be that it's Durant going one-on-one and then deciding whether he's got the shot or he doesn't and feeding someone else. They have to move the ball and create plays for other people, and other people have to deliver. There's, that's just the way it is. Uh, a bit of a sidebar story. Uh, Mike D'Antoni apparently has been interviewed for the Portland Blazer job. Um, he physically didn't go to Portland, but uh, this is not a surprise. I mean, we knew D'Antoni was was going to be a candidate for some job, and there's there's Boston, there's Orlando, there's Indiana, and there's Portland that's out there. And by the end of the playoffs, you know as well as I do, Greg, there's going to be two, three, four more job openings. Exactly. You know, and D'Antoni, you know, it's just great that, uh, that you know, okay, Steve Nash, he's a first-time head coach, but he has leaned very heavily on Mike D'Antoni, who was his coach with the Phoenix Suns in the years when they went to the finals and, uh, and when Steve really built his Hall of Fame career. So they have a fabulous relationship. And, and I asked Steve about it yesterday and, and whether or not D'Antoni actually went from Milwaukee to Portland to interview or whether he was with them doing game planning. And he said, no, he's here in Brooklyn and, and nothing has changed and so on. And, and he assumed he talked to him either by phone or by Zoom. And then he says, uh, he says, you know, if he gets out of line, I'm not afraid to find him. <laughs> and so, so, you know, Steve was smiling when he said it. it was a, it was a good joke and a good line. But you know, D'Antoni, he's he's just a great coach and a great person. And uh, uh, I've always liked him. He's been a head coach for six NBA teams, more than 600 wins as a head coach and a plus 500 record and uh and and he's had some bad teams too but because uh, he had to coach the knicks for one thing <laughs> but but uh but you know uh, it would be nice to see him get the job although you know another person in line for that portland job they say is becky hammond so i could see that would be interesting the first one head coach in the NBA. I would love to see that, but uh, but in the meantime, you know, D'Antoni's in the in the market, but he's he's still here with the Nets and helping out on their sideline and 
and strategizing for the playoffs. He hasn't uh, he hasn't missed a beat with the Nets. No, he's uh, I've known Mike a long time. He's a hell of a coach, hell of a guy, oh, a guy that he's he's a pleasure to talk to. He, I mean, I remember seeing him. Believe it or not, he's sitting at the bar at the Beverly Hills Hotel when he was with the Houston Rockets, and he was eating dinner at the bar. And so I, my wife and I were having dinner with our daughter, who's in the movie business in publicity. So they were having the uh, the Oscars and the party was going on. So as I'm walking through this bar area, I see Dan Tony sitting at the bar by himself. So I, I stood behind him and he didn't he didn't see me. And I said, "You never know who you're going to find at a bar eating dinner, do you?" And he's, he he didn't turn around. Greg, he didn't turn around. He said. Man, that voice sounds familiar. He turns around and looks. He goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> so, but I, I think he's a hell of a coach. Uh, he's His team is very creative, particularly at the offensive end. Absolutely. And I could see, you know, with all of Damian Lillard's complaining and all of that, I could see Lillard hooking up very nicely with D'Antoni. Oh, my God. Put, put D'Antoni with Lillard and McCollum? Oh, that would be an unbelievable offense because he'd have such great guys to initiate the offense and uh, and then he's got the center there Nurkic and uh, uh, they would be terrific who knows who they could get maybe they could get somebody in free agency to add to that mix because they're not that far away if they keep those two guards and the center they just need to add like one or two more pieces, and they're right there. He is Greg Logan of New York Newsday. So uh, we started a conversation by talking about last night's Atlanta-Philadelphia game, and I, I thought it was incredible how uh, – look, I, call me a, a, a dooms – a naysayer. I'm just trying to figure out how a Joel Embiid is even on the floor with a slightly torn meniscus. I mean, he, he was terrible in the second half last night. He went 0 for 12. Uh, which was part and parcel why they blew an 18-point lead. But Shocking, I get... and he missed that layup at the end. Yeah. I mean, he was right there at the rim. I, I can't believe the ball went over the basket. It was crazy. Yeah, well, it's uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how that series unfolds. Uh, the Clippers have played their way back into their series with Utah. And I credit Paul George for it. We know we're going to get from Kawhi, but Paul George has been the lightning rod. When he plays well, they are that much better. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the last game that that I saw, I mean, he was lights out, and uh, uh, and that might have been game three, but uh, not game four. But you know, they they to me, they're a better team than Utah. They should not lose to Utah. I don't care if they if Utah was number one in the Western Conference during the regular season. Clippers are just a better team, and it really does come down to Paul George. There's no doubt about that. You know what you're going to get from Kawhi game in and game out. He is uh, so productive at at both ends. Uh, But Paul George, you know, when he's on and when he's hitting on offense, you know, that makes them an incredibly uh, dynamic team. Uh, And we know he has a poor record in the playoffs but maybe this is the year where he turns it around at that level maybe this is the year where he matures as a playoff player uh but i i love the clippers in that series 
I just think uh, that they're going to, you know, I, I think they would be the first team to come back from two 0-2 deficits if they get through this series. Mm. Uh, but I think that's going to happen. I really believe it, and I think it's going to be Clippers versus Suns in the Western Finals. But, you know, we'll see how it works out. You know, love the Suns, uh, but uh, I just, I just, as if Paul George stays on target and if he, he stays on message, you know, I think the Clippers can beat Utah. Absolutely. They could. They could. Well, enjoy the game tonight, but you want some advice? Go to Nathan's, get a couple of dogs, and then cover the game. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Howard. All right, Greg. Appreciate it. You stay safe. Okay, you too. Bye. He is Greg Logan of New York Newsday. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. I mean, this it's a pivotal game. It's it's Look, I, rarely do you see a home team as an underdog, but it's not ridiculous to assume that this is possible based on two key injuries like that but you know it is what it is so we move on and we take let's take another bite of the big apple and let's talk to sean powell of nba.com hello sean how are you i'm good so how many times in your career in the playoffs have you seen a home team an underdog like tonight's nets are uh, Four-point underdog to Milwaukee for obvious reasons. No Harden, no Irving. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube